We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. Uh, we are currently unsponsored for the next like five or six days. I think technically we have a sponsor. Uh, they, according to our, our media guy, have just not sent over the copy yet. So I'm not going to mention them until they send that over, right? We're not yeah. just going to give them free publicity. However, I would like to take this time. Uh, maybe we can offer some personal endorsements. Um, oh. Try to land some sponsorship. Ham Special Light, Ham's Premium Beer. Um, those are two products that are near and dear to my heart, mm-hmm. as you're well aware. Um, so I guess we'll unofficially be sponsored by, by Ham's, Ham's Brewing okay. for the time being, for probably about the next six days. Do you have anything, any brands you want to plug, anything you've been using lately that you like? You know, I, I like um, I like ginger ale. Ginger ale? Yeah. Okay. Um, Tom's sure. are also great. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know. Ice Mountain Water. Okay, so we got water, <laughs> Tums, and ginger ale. Okay. Um, I don't know. I guess we, in the office, we just switched over from our previous kind of in-office communication program to Slack. I like Slack. Slack. I own They're a Mac. They're not paying us to say that. What's I that? own a Mac. We are using a Apple computer here. Sure. In the studio. Yep. Um, get sponsored by I do like Mac. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, well, I guess for now we'll we'll go with Hams as the official sponsorship. That's fine with uh, me. With Tums as kind of the secondary. You uh, might option. need Tums after. Hum, Tums didn't pay us quite as much, so they don't get mentioned in the first line. Yeah. Um, and we say this every time, sometimes as a joke, but we actually have a lot to get to today because there was one blockbuster trade that went down about 22 hours ago as we record on Tuesday afternoon. And there was one pretty big trade uh, that ended up being a fake trade that did not happen <laughs> earlier today. Uh, but it still seems like something might there might be some you know some flames still still roaring with the the Pelicans and the Bulls. If it's not the Pelicans, I think someone's going to trade for Miritich. Yeah. Um, but let's start with yesterday's big news. This came through. Um, I think what about five forty-five Central Time I think for us. So, yeah. um, Blake Griffin is now a Detroit Piston. And I, it's, it kind of make in retrospect, it makes some sense. Um, you know, not, not necessarily if you're, you know, I'm, I don't love this deal for Detroit, but at least you can kind of see the, the rationalization for why they did it. You can certainly see why the Clippers did it. Um, but nobody saw this coming. I mean, no. I, I think, I don't think anyone thought Blake was, you know, maybe not off the table, but I didn't think he was going to get traded. He wasn't the guy on that team. There were a couple other players on the Clippers who still might get traded, Nobody really thought Blake was going to get moved. Detroit, to me, just isn't even on the radar when you talk about trades. It felt like, it felt like a random location, just, like you just yeah. picked it out of a hat. I like, texted some some friends from back home. Like I, I think I said, poor Blake, you know, after the <laughs> trade. And one of them responded, like, what happened? I'm like, oh, he got traded to Detroit. And he just, he is like, ha-ha. And then, you know, no response after that. And like a half hour <laughs> later, he's like, whoa, you were serious? I thought you were kidding. I just right. checked Twitter. Like, it was, that's that's a pretty good encapsulation i think of, of how a lot of people felt about this um blake has handled it well from what we know he issued yeah. a nice little you know uh pr statement um from his twitter account this morning i think he reacted with a will smith well, gif it was uh, yesterday which you know always tasteful um but you got to think he can't be super thrilled about going from los angeles california to detroit michigan not exactly. And, you know, I've heard some I've heard things about Blake not being as much as he's like, you know, he's kind of a, he's a high profile athlete and he does stuff with comedy and stuff like that. I hear he's kind of introverted and that kind of came out, especially when the, the Chris Paul turmoil and all that came out. So I don't think the the fact that he'll be moving into a smaller market is bad for him at all. Like, I don't think it it, it doesn't fit with his personality, but at the same time, Detroit. Right isn't i to me it's not necessarily about market size it's just about detroit itself that and the fact that they have their fan base has not been coming to the games and and so i mean a part of this trade may be to get yes i think a very large fans there um i mean yeah as far as as far as blake himself goes like you said he's handled it very professionally i'm sure he'll continue to do so um i i don't think this will I don't think this will affect him too much. I mean, he's under contract for the next four or five years. I mean, this is where he'll <clears> be. Five years, including this one. Yeah. yeah. And that's. I mean, there's so much to unpack with this trade, but a lot of it is built around money, right? I mean, that's. Yeah. I, I think in a vacuum, the Clippers wouldn't want to trade the talent that is Blake Griffin, but when there's a $150 million price tag attached to that, you know, things change a little bit. I mean, he's going to be getting paid close to $40 million or maybe even $50 million. I think it's $40 million at the end of that deal. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those contracts that when you become eligible to sign it, you know, you're most likely going to be 
you know, at the very least at the, you know, in the middle of your prime. And it's just, you know, it's hard to sign a max extension at that point in your career and not kind of end up being at the tail end of your prime or even past that by the time the deal is up. So, I mean, it's clear to me that I think, you know, some people have floated this, this idea that the Clippers are stabbing Blake in the back. You know, they put on this elaborate, you know, courting when he was a free agent this summer and he's a lifelong Clipper and they played a tribute video for his future self getting his jersey retired, (laughs) um, which is oddly, you know, kind of similar to LeBron's Instagram. But, you know, then you turn around a few months later and, and, you know, you trade him for basically a package that kicks off a rebuild. Um, You know, it's about money. I mean, it's, it's a lot to commit to someone, especially someone who has Blake's injury history if he can somehow stay healthy and play 75 games for the next five years, it's well worth it. I think the Clippers looked at that and said, like, we're just not willing to take that bet. I don't know if the plan all along was to trade him after signing him. I, I mean, if so, this certainly beats just letting him walk and getting nothing, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's the thing, you know, by signing him, they at least had him for an asset in case the season went poorly, which it has um and not poorly but not you know they're not gonna they're not contenders right. they're, well and he's also been hurt this season he's also you, been almost, hurt. you almost wonder if it's like all right we'll we'll do this deal but if this if he gets hurt again that's the final straw and it's almost what it feels like yeah and you know yeah like you you mentioned money i mean now the the clippers they only have two people guaranteed under contract in 2019 20 it's just Gallinari sitting at $22.5 million and Sundarius Thornwell at $1.6 to Juan Evan as a team option. So, I mean, they they got more youth on their team, which really is just Tobias Harris, right? Um, who's 25, which is relatively young How still. How is he 25? He, That's insane. Yeah, he, since, I think he was 18 or 19. When he came, it feels like he's been in the mm-hmm. league for longer than that. But, I mean, that kind of – I mean, he kind of matches their core now. DeAndre is 29, but he DeAndre's like a young 29 to me. Um, Austin Rivers is 25. Bradley's 25. I, I just there there are very few teams that all in one year they have like no one under contract essentially, and having that mm-hmm. and saying among a cap room is something that a lot of teams yes. just don't have. They can completely rebuild their roster if they want to. Well, it's a it's a very thinly veiled you know attempt at wooing free agents right yeah. i mean like it, it's not a coincidence that they just happened to clear all this money for 2019 um i mean they're going to be in contention for free agents this summer they're going to be in probably even better position in 2019 when you have some other guys coming up and i th- i think and i talked about this on the on the radio this morning with with a couple of the guys on Sirius, and like did the clippers do enough in the last eight or nine years with blake and cp to like repair their image in the mind of you know let's the average 25 year old nba player um like 10 years ago no one would sign with the clippers no matter where they're located to me i feel like they've rehabbed their image enough that you know they're a top 10 certainly destination when it comes to free agency yeah i mean it helps her in la the griffin thing is kind of a bad look it is but i think we've seen teams do similar things Maybe yeah not as high profile as this and i don't i don't think any potential free agent like would look at this Blake thing and be like, I don't understand why they did. Right. Like, I think it's an understandable move. Right. And so, I mean, yeah, I don't know if they're trying to, I'm sure they'll try to get LeBron to come talk to them this mm-hmm. off season. And the thing is next season, almost everyone on the roster is an expiring contract. Mm-hmm. So you could move those pretty easily if LeBron was like, yeah, I want to be a Clipper. And then right. not that I think that's necessarily going to happen, but even if you miss out on him 
this off or this off season than you have next off right. season to get everyone. You got Kawhi coming up. Yeah, I mean, I think the Clippers. You know, they're not going to be a front runner for LeBron, certainly, but they're going to be a, one of those teams, you know, almost in like the, the Houston category to me, where you're, you're maybe not on like the A plus list of destinations, but you're right there. And if things break right for you, you know, you can get two guys at once. Like the Clippers are a type of team that two stars could sign with, you know, yeah. in the same way that we've talked about the Lakers. They're maybe not the team that LeBron would go to to start his next phase of his career by himself and build things around him um you know like he maybe would be willing to do with the lakers just because of who's in charge there but the clippers at least to me have rehabbed their image to the point where you know their their location is now something they can take advantage of which when they were so so bad for so many years when they employed an openly racist owner uh, they really weren't able to do and i think they saw that opportunity and they said like if we have blake on our roster for the next five years it's it's, we're not going to be able to do that you know now's the time we can trade him we have this basically tailor-made deal ready for us in Detroit uh, and I thought it was interesting in, in Zach Lowe's write-up of this yesterday he noted that there was just like very little interest for Blake and yet here's Detroit like more than happy to to send what's a pretty ideal you know ideal package to the Clippers yeah and I mean the Clippers I mean the Clippers get more obviously flexibility from a roster standpoint you mentioned if Griffin was on the roster it'd be harder to attract free agents I think partially because Griffin is I don't want to say he's one-dimensional but he is He's a just a power forward. Mm-hmm. He's not that great at defense. His post moves have I think gotten worse. His post moves are catch at the elbow and then just kind of you know like that what the Tasmanian Devil yeah. guy from Looney Tunes like it's <laughs> just kind of that like bore your way and, to the hoop and then just kind of hope that you end up facing the rim and then you can lay it in. And I think that would work if he was like playing small forward and he tried that, but against like power forwards and centers, he just gets his shot blocked and stuff like that. But. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, from Detroit's perspective, you know, they upgrade their second best player from Tobias Harris to Blake Griffin. Mm-hmm. They're in a market that you are like any like you know small market. You kind of have to bank on you getting a draft pick mm-hmm. that will turn into your star player. And now this way, they've they have they've essentially trapped a star player into playing for them <laughs> which you they've know I mean, that's, star they, they, right. yeah so um now they've gotten that out of the way and drummond is obviously there so now you know like they have the pieces in place mm-hmm. and it's never been hard for a team like detroit or a team like milwaukee or other teams like that to lure like guys who make like seven million dollars like these 28 year old mm-hmm. kind of in their prime like outcast players to just like funnel in some role players around guys like Blake and and Drummond Mm -hmm. I think if you're if you're a Pistons fan the way that I think in general I mean from what I saw the few Pistons fans that I do follow weren't thrilled about this but the argument is that you're not going to get a player like Blake in free agency like you said your only chance really is to draft one and we've seen this kind of in Milwaukee we went through this cycle for like 15 years and you have to bog them out to to get the guy well I mean well and even then it's no guarantee like the one year Milwaukee bottomed out or I guess twice. We'll say twice since 2000 they bottomed out. Once they got him Andrew Bogut. Yep. Twice it got him Jabari Parker. Yeah. Know, which Jabari, you know, if he doesn't tear his ACL twice, maybe we're, you know, maybe that's a whole different conversation. But they got their guy with what the 15th pick. Yeah. You know? And it's like it, it's so it's so fluky in that regard. And obviously the Pistons have not drafted well. No. Their best draft pick over the last four years is right now the starting point guard for the Nets. <laughs> and you know they they pretty much it looks like they botched the Allenson pick he hasn't been anything this year Stanley Johnson's in the rotation but for some teams he's probably not and Luke Kennard looks fine for now but 
you also took him ahead of Donovan Mitchell, so there's yeah. that. Um, you know, you're just not going to get a player of the caliber of Blake Griffin unless it's a situation like this. Blake Griffin was not going to sign this contract with the Pistons as a no. free agent. But the Pistons, I think it, their line of thinking is, look, we would have signed him to this contract if we could have. Now we're able to trade, you know, trade for him while he's on the deal. To them, it's almost like they signed him. You know, I mean, obviously you lose a half season or whatever. There's another injury in there. But, you know, I think you have to be in the position, the very unique position that the Pistons are in. Small market, new arena, no fans coming to said arena. Your coach slash GM is on, you know, maybe the hottest seat of any coach in the NBA. Like everything kind of broke right for them to make this deal. And everything kind of broke right, I think, for the Clippers to make this deal as well. Yeah. And I mean, the Pistons, like, I, the part of the thing for them is they have almost an opposite contract situation now or payroll situation as the Clippers. The Clippers essentially have no money on their books in two years. In 2019-20, the the Pistons will still have Blake Drummond, Reggie Jackson at 18 million, John Luer will be making almost 10 million, Langston Galloway is making seven and a half. So I, I just don't, you know, they got a lot of guys under contract still. I don't know if Reggie Jackson's movable. I don't know if you want him to be the starting point guard of this. Like, is that your big three? I, I love the like. Well, they're just trying to recreate Lob City as if there's not a massive, massive, massive drop-off from one of the top five point guards ever to Reggie Jackson. There was, a, there was that Baron Davis era of uh, of Lob City. Baron Davis, even at that point, <laughs> was way better than Reggie Jackson. I know. I don't um, want to say that. But, yeah, I, I just don't – I don't know. It, it feels like they, they definitely have to make some other move somewhere. Mm-hmm. I just don't – I don't know what that is. I don't yeah, know I mean, what it is you, either. It doesn't seem like they want to part with Kennard – um, I'm assuming they probably don't want to part with Stanley Johnson, but it's not like he's unmovable. I mean, you mean there's another move for the short term this year, or there's another move to find you know your your quote unquote third I mean, slash fourth guy with with Drummond and Blake? Yeah, you're you're basically your third or fourth guy. I mean, I feel like that move has to come within the next two years. Otherwise, you have just two years of like seventh or sixth seed, you know like like it like the pistons have been kind of you know that the mediocrity line we were talking about where you just get the 16th 17th pick every year and you never really get any better despite the fact that you have blake griffin on your roster it will be interesting to see what they can do in the east or what um blake griffin Mm -hmm. can can do in the east though because i mean that's been part of the problem for them is um or for the clippers was that they were playing in the west and they got stomped by the top four teams who are always Mm -hmm. like some basically a top seven teams the nba four of them played in the in the west and now we're getting to the point where at least you know with griffin in the east they he i mean i i just don't know how well he can fare against everyone in the east that's maybe that's part of the situation the risk that they're taking well the other thing too is detroit's lost eight in a row and they've lost 12 of 15 yeah you know coming into tonight's game against cleveland and they're gonna have like three active players so that's probably a loss too like that's the other that's the other point in in this whole thing for Detroit and for Stan Van Gundy is you know he he might he might have been out of a job in a week if this trade didn't happen. You right. know, if they let's say they lose out and go into the All-Star break, it wouldn't have been crazy for the Pistons to come out of that with a new coach and, right. in, and inherently a new GM. So it's like a lot of things, you know, factor into the decision to make a deal like this. Um let's talk about the Clippers side of it. I mean, we talked about what it means for Detroit. I think it's fairly obvious. I mean, their ceiling is only so high, but it's kind of a swing for the fences move. The Clippers, 
I don't know that they really got all that much worse. I, I don't love the argument that they'll just be better without Blake. I think Blake is pretty underrated almost at this point, despite all the injuries. But you know, as a basketball player, he's probably underrated. Yeah. Um, but you bring back Avery Bradley, who's expiring. You bring back Tobias Harris, who expires at the end of next year, like you said. Boban, you know, who knows? Maybe this is finally the team that he can play <laughs> consistent seven minutes a night. I don't know. Um, but I don't I mean, Tobias Harris, compa- like production-wise this year, is not like the biggest drop-off from Blake. Like he's, he's by no means Blake Griffin, but it's not like they're going to just go into the tank here unless, you know, they flip DeAndre yeah. for, you know, basically expirings and picks. Same with Lou Williams. Um, which I think they will do. I don't, I don't think the Clippers necessarily want to win games, but it wouldn't be the worst thing, you know, if they stayed in the hunt for the 8-9, you know, just as kind of a something to sell to the fans, I guess, because you do now have this Detroit pick, which we haven't talked about, top four protected for the next few years. Yeah, and they're not It's going to convey. Bad. I mean, yeah. unless Detroit just completely... Unless Blake Griffin tears his ACL. Detroit or, would basically you know. have to lose out for that to be a top four pick. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's not guaranteed that they're going to make the playoffs. So, no. you know, I mean, that could very well be 8, 9, 10, yep. 11, 12, which I think that's, you know, considering the other things that you got back, that's not a bad return. Yeah, and I don't know. I think... Like if we assume they make no more moves, like if we assume they keep Lou Williams or at least keep DeAndre, getting rid of Blake Griffin kind of turns them into more like of a more modern, like typical, like pace and space team. Not that Blake Griffin wasn't out there playing stretch four, but Tobias Harris is a forty percent three point shooter. He's a pretty he's a pretty typical like stretch four. Um, You got Danilo Gallinari out there now. And so, I mean, the they have a complete like wide. I mean, they just have they have four perimeter players on the court basically at all times, and then DeAndre Jordan, um, which is just it. I don't know if it's better or worse. It's just very different from having Blake Griffin on your roster, who is a high. He's a high usage kind of like small forward ish power forward who's okay at shooting threes. Like he's just a very different. It's like a power guard. Yeah, having him on your team shooting is, forward. Yeah. yeah. Getting you know having him not on your team anymore just completely changes everything, mm-hmm. and um, I I think it, I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, like I I don't know if it'll really make them any worse per se. I I don't know. I, yeah, well, they've been such a weird team so far that it's yeah. like we don't really know if they're even actually good. I mean, they're twenty five <laughs> and twenty four with all the injuries. That seems pretty good. I mean, they had that that six game winning streak um, earlier this month that really kind of set things into motion they beat the warriors during that span they beat the rockets they beat a pretty good denver team um and you know even now two two straight wins over memphis and and a depleted pelicans team but still i mean they're they're very much in the hunt and when you look at you know the western conference standings it's you know there's like i think there's kind of that clear divide where you get you know the the blazers are sitting at six pelicans seven denver eight clippers nine Utah at 10, you know, there's four games between the Clippers and the Jazz right now. The Jazz at full strength are probably better, and the Clippers might get worse if they lose DeAndre and Lou Williams. But after that, you're in a whole – the bottom five teams in the West are solidly in tanking territory. <laughs> yeah. like, nobody – the Lakers, the Grizzlies, the Suns, the Mavs, and the Kings have no interest in winning basketball games. No. The Jazz, if they go through another rough stretch, might be in that position – um so it'll be a tough like the clippers can kind of go either way you know do you do you really make a run for the eight just to get swept or do you think you can kind of tank your way back you know and and try to make that pick somewhere between seven and ten yeah and that's that's the thing about this trade i mean the it's good that you mentioned the jazz because they're in a similar spot where Mm -hmm. it's like they're 
they're trying to rebuild but also stay competitive at the same time yep. and that is extremely hard to do while also not ending up mm-hmm. in that mediocrity circle that so many teams in the NBA have ended up in because they've essentially been trying to do the same thing. You know, two of their best players are like 29 years old, right. and then their third and fourth best players are like 24. Mm-hmm. And then you get this, and then it never stops. Um, I, I, th- I mean, there's plenty of guys on this roster I think could move, like even other than, I, you know, we just don't know what they'll do. But we talk about Lou Williams, Milos Teodosic, He's thirty years old. He's only making six million. I mean, honestly, million. anybody. Yeah, Wesley Johnson's if, thirty. If they could move Gallinari, I'm sure they would. Like, oh, I'm sure they would. That too. contract is not looking great. Although he is going to be back tonight after 25 straight games missed. Yeah. Um, if he can stay healthy, maybe that changes things. You know, like even a West Johnson type. You know, maybe there's some team. You know, the Cavs would love a West Johnson, and there's a couple other teams that could always City, use those type of guys. I could right. see exactly. wanting with with Andre Robertson out. Yeah, um, I think it's a fire. I mean, the way that they've been winning these games anyway has been with Tyrone Wallace and Jawan Evans <laughs> yeah. and Montrez Harrell and Willie Reed. So it's like, you know, I think it would be a fairly easy sell to the roster and to the fan base where it's like, hey, just keep doing what you're doing. If it works, great. We'll happily take the eight seed. If what hap- what's you know, supposed to happen happens and we fall back and we end up finishing 11th or 12th in the West, then so be it. You know, it's, there's really not a bad outcome here for the Clippers. Yeah. I at mean, least in the short term. They at least... You know, you figure at least this year or next, I mean, they'll have the, so they'll have that new arena. Mm-hmm. And so they'll at least have a team competing for the playoffs, probably. Or if they, if they make some bigger moves, they'll at least have like the a quote unquote youth right. movement team. And then the year after that, they'll have no, mm-hmm. they'll have no payroll and then they can do whatever they want. And, you know, if they end up in the AC this year, they play Golden State. They get two games in LA against Golden State. People will pay to see that, even if they assume it's right. going to be a slaughter. You make some money overall as an owner and mm-hmm. as an organization. So it's it's interesting. I'll, yeah, well, and I think they they have the luxury of having Steve Ballmer as an owner too. Where it's like money to them, <laughs> money to probably him. doesn't really matter as much. Yeah. I mean, like obviously with the cap is kind of in place to prevent that, but when you start so talking rich. luxury tax and repeater tax and things like that, ownership really really matters, and how much how deep your pockets are compared to other billionaires really does matter um and even too i mean if if they no matter what whether they make the playoffs or not they have their own first round pick um and then you have detroit's pick so like those could let's say you get seven and 14 yeah you know i mean you could package those to move up you could package those to get you know a jimmy butler type of player you know those type of draft night deals that we've seen before um you know they're not they're by no means in a bad spot no and you can i mean you know, with with the with those picks in the fourteen spot, you know seven, you can you can get someone who you're pretty confident will be good. You know, in the fourteen spot, you're you're almost better off just kind of taking shots in the dark as far as like you know a player's upside. You're like, mm-hmm. well, this guy, I mean, we'll, you know, even if this guy's a twenty percent chance, if that twenty percent chance is realized, then he could turn into a Giannis yep. type you know situation. So, you know, the in theory they would have yeah they would have like one relatively safe pick and then one pick that they could just take a complete home right. run swing on um or decide to trade them both because it seems like i mean as of recently the clippers care more about like guys they like assets that they know right rather than unknown mm-hmm. um unknown players okay so overall final thoughts assessments how did the pistons do how did the clippers do i don't yet if you want to use like a one to ten if you want to use a grading scale i don't care like how would you assess this this trade briefly for each team? Um, I could do like I know I think like Kevin Pelton does A through F like sure. like school grades. Yes, I would give this like maybe a 
C plus, B minus for the Pistons. Because I, I completely understand what they did. You know, you're not going to be able to get a guy like Blake mm-hmm. Griffin by just signing him or the drafting. You have to bog him out to basically draft a guy like him. So I, I have concerns about their cap issues and, you know, their third best player. But, you know, that's – you just have to deal with that because mm-hmm. that was in place. And then for the Clippers, I do like I – think, I think the Clippers do, did a better job to me. I give this like a B – like a solid B for me for the Clippers. Um, maybe a B plus considering that they'll – I like the payroll situation where mm-hmm. all in one year there's like nobody. Like I, I really mm-hmm. like that. I think that's really a, a good way to do things. Yep. Yeah, I think I would agree with those. I mean, as we discussed with, you know, LA earlier, it's like having a hundred million dollars in cap room means a hell of a lot more to the Lakers or the Rockets or the Clippers or the Heat or the Mavs than it does to the Pistons or the yep. Bucks or you know whoever whatever Indiana whatever basically the entire Central Division. Yeah. Um, and, and like, that's why we'll, we'll, there's no point for Detroit to clear that space. You know, we can say like, oh, we're, you know, LA's cap sheet looks great, which it does. Detroit's cap sheet's very concerning. But I mean, if Detroit was clearing a hundred million dollars in 2019, what was that going to go to? You know, like you, you basically would have to overpay for someone who otherwise wouldn't want to play for you. And, and the elite level guys like just won't go there no matter what. Yeah. And you would, and you would have to hope that one of those free agents who is not an elite level guy is fine is fine with playing with Blake Griffin and is a good fit next to Blake Griffin. There's so many like Mm -hmm. boxes that you have to check that you end up, it's just one guy basically. And then that guy is that you end up overpaying Mm -hmm. to get him because he has five other options. And it all comes back to like, like you said, you have to, you have to build your roster around Blake. And it's like, is Blake actually good enough that it's worth doing that? Because there, you have to do the same thing with LeBron. If you want to, if you want to have LeBron, you need to put LeBron type of teammates around him yeah i think to some degree you have to do that with a lot of other stars i mean like stars who can shoot the hell out of the ball like like durant and curry it's so much easier but like let's say if you have draymond green like he's a very unique player on both ends you have to kind of make sure you have the right guys around him and and that goes again for almost any star with blake it's like even if you do that what is your ceiling you know yeah especially because this blake drummond combination is i want to say it's the exact same as deandre jordan you know the deandre blake combination but it's just you got another like rebounding shot blocking center who can't really do much to create his own offense and to me i mean i would have liked to see blake griffin and i think blake griffin would be at his best next to a center like al horford or something like that or even Dwayne deadman or something to some extent just a center who give can this space man the Dwayne floor. Dedman. give this man yeah exactly but just just a center who can space the floor and yeah. open up kind of a driving lane for griffin instead of griffin having mm-hmm. to literally like try to fight through two like a center and a power forward on the way to the basket right. and he's never played with the center like that no you know? never i mean even like the backups right now in la are montrez harrell who might even be more limited than deandre outside the paint yeah and what willie reed who's kind of the same type of thing so that's that's the one thing that's disappointing as just like a general observer is like we're kind of running it back with Blake. We and are. another guy who's if you could pick one guy who's the most similar in the league to DeAndre, <laughs> it's Drummond. You know, so it's like we kind of we've already seen this. And I'm not saying it's not gonna work. You know, it's a whole new setting, new coach, new teammates. Um, we just kind of know what the what the format is already. Yeah, and I mean they'll get John Luer back next year, but how much time can John Luer really spend at center? How much can you justify playing John Luer totally over, over Andre Drummond in a, you know, you, you can maybe play Luer 25 minutes a game, but mm-hmm. it's like you're still going to have to give Drummond like 28, 30, no matter what. Do you think they actually wanted Marjanovic, the Clippers? I picture this being like Steve Ballmer got really excited about him and just wanted him. Um, 
I mean, you can't go wrong by just having him, right? Like, you know, we we've seen not we've seen well the fact that we haven't seen Marnjanovic is kind of telling of he couldn't get playing time over um Eric Moreland which I think is kind of telling of well I mean Eric Moreland well, yeah having a nice year <laughs> but yeah I don't I don't know if he really wanted him or not it may have just been like kind of a salary thing mm-hmm. and I think the the Pistons realized they made a mistake and tried what they I'm sure they were trying to move Marnjanovic anyway but Who knows? knows? Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Uh, let's talk Miritich. Okay. Um, so this morning, um, it was it was reported by, I think, Vincent Goodwill in Chicago that the Bulls had traded Miritich to New Orleans for first-round pick and Omer Ashik, which, I mean, Omer Ashik was kind of like the original bad contract. There's been yes. a lot of bad, like Timofey Mozgov, Luol Deng, Joe Kim Noah, like they get all the publicity, but... Omer Ashik paved the way for guys like that to he get did. bad contracts. And, I mean, the Pelicans have basically been trying to deal him. I feel <laughs> like, like the year like after they signed Del Demp sends out a mass email to every team in the NBA every single day, just saying, like, hey, just a reminder, um, I'm still trying to trade Ashik. And, like, today was finally the day that he was going to get a bite. <laughs> and then, like, 30 minutes after it's reported, Woj jumps in and says it's off. Um, it sounds like there, it still might happen at some point, but what seemed to be a for sure thing around 11 a.m. today is now kind of in flux. I mean, Ashik, the Pelicans, we don't know what's going to happen there, but Miritich is going to get dealt somewhere in the next nine days. Yeah, I mean, they, they basically traded him, you know, and, the, and then that always creates, I mean, issues if you just don't trade him then. And, and we've known for a long time that, I mean, basically ever since he got punched in the face that he was not going to be on this roster by the time the trade deadline came around. Um, I mean, I, I was disappointed when the trade got rescinded or didn't happen or dissolved or whatever you want to say, because I think, you know, it, I think it was a smart move by the Pelicans. I don't think they would have missed that pick um, that they theoretically gave up. They would have gotten off the a sheet contract and then they would have gotten like a legitimate stretch four to play next to Anthony Davis at center. Um, and that would have been like a very like you like playing I mean to me Anthony Davis is a is pretty much a center anyway or he should be playing center um but having Miritich next to Anthony Davis that's a in, like from a shooting perspective you got five guys on the floor mostly at the same Dream time who front can, court yeah who can shoot <laughs> if you can but, create a front court in a lab well <laughs> I mean and then and so you have basically five guys on the court at, who can shoot threes all at once and one of them happens to be Anthony Davis who's also mm-hmm. one of the you know a top level rim protector and then theoretically, if they signed Demarcus Cousins next year, they would they could put Miritich at the three, um, or have him play six man off the bench at three and four. And I I'd, I'd like the move for the Pelicans. Like I thought for the Bulls, like obviously it it made sense. They had to get rid of him. They got they theoretically got first round pick out of it. They had to take on a Sheik's contract, but that would have only been for one more year before an early termination option. They could have gotten rid of him for three million dollars. So, I mean, I'm a little disappointed the trade didn't go through, but like you mentioned, Woj kind of tweeted out that the trade, it, it's like it could still very well happen, mm-hmm. almost in the exact same, 
you know, um, like maybe Tony Allen gets included or something. Like it was it, basically just Woj saying like, calm the hell down, everybody. Yeah. Like, I'm going to step in here. This is not actually happening. Yeah. But it could happen. It could happen. And, um, you know, so it would, I don't know, maybe, maybe this will make other teams like, you know, kind of sit up and, you know, call the Bulls and like, wait, like we can give you something better than Miritich or than a Sheik and a first round pick for Miritich, like hold on. And so I don't know if this will spark more offers for Miritich, better offers for Miritich, or if it'll end up just being the same thing. But that's, that's definitely interesting. I mean, cause I do feel, I don't want to say I feel like they can get more cause you know, Miritich is only has one more year on his deal. So he could theoretically walk. And if a team doesn't feel like they maybe want to sign him at that point, then they might not feel like it's worth it to give up more than a first round pick. But I mean, I, you know, Miritich is, he's been on fire this year for a long time too. And you know, he came out hot and it was like, well, this isn't sustainable. And, but he's still, it's, he's played 25 games. He's still shooting 43% from three. He shot 39% from three, his sophomore year. So, um, I don't know. I, is this the best the Pelicans could do? Like, if you're a Pelicans fan, it's pretty tough to get excited about anything after you lost DeMarcus Cousins to that type of injury. But when you look at, you know, this type of the framework of this deal, and it's, you know, there were reports like literally the night that he tore Cousins tore his Achilles, Woj tweeted out, this is not going to deter, deter the Pelicans. They still want to be buyers. You know, like, given their cap sheet, which is among just the worst in the league, and their lack of assets. Yeah. You know, you, the first a first round pick is going to be necessary in almost in any deal that's going to move the needle. You're going to have to give up a first round pick. They don't have any young players that anyone wants. No. Um, like, could you really do a whole lot better? Like, I don't, I don't love this deal for New Orleans. Like, if I were them, I would just kind of pack it in. But they're in this weird situation where they have to keep things competitive for Davis, which they should. And in that case, it's like I, I don't think you're just going to do a whole lot better. Yeah, and you know, a lot of that comes down to whether or not they feel like they have to sign DeMarcus Cousins to a max contract anymore. Like this may not because before, you know, before the injury we're talking about like, well, we assume they're going to sign Cousins, that's going to be a max contract that completely screws them financially. Now, this may end up being a short deal for less than yeah. max money. I mean, I are we are we past like the moratorium period where now it's okay to talk about the contract implications of Cousins injury? If you tried to do that over the weekend on Twitter, people, the police were out like, wow, I can't believe you're saying that. It's like, look, man, like (laughs) when when is the grieving period over? Like I, you know, we can, can talk about it. I, I, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, what are we going to talk about next week? It's not good for the Pelicans. (laughs) It's not good for the Pelicans that he got hurt. No. But you know, like if he comes back at like 90 to 95% of his old self and you get him on like a prove it deal, you know, like. That's it. It sounds bad to say, but that's kind of a, a best case scenario for New Orleans. I just, I don't know. I, it's just, it's a weird situation. Yes, because then if he doesn't like, if he, if you, even if you sign him on a prove it deal and it really doesn't pan out, and he has the career arc of many of the other people who have ruptured their Achilles, which is not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll say at least to Marcus Cousins, he is proven to be a good three point shooter. He can still set screens. Like I, his his career is not over. No, no, no. Like you know, he'll at least be. He'll can even if he is seventy five percent of the player that he was. He'll at least be a stretch five, um, and a really good player, um, an all star caliber player. Mm-hmm. But I think, and I think they would still sign him to a max if it came down to it. That's. I just don't know what the other option is. You know. 
Yeah, I mean that's that's true. You know, if you don't sign him to a max, then you have to try to lure some other free agent um, <laughs> into joining the team, and you can't just you know you can't be out of the playoffs for every single year that Anthony Davis is on your team and expect him to stay like forever to some extent. Um, the same thing happened with LeBron. He was you know he was in Cleveland the first time forever. They, I mean, they were, you know, they made the playoffs, but they consistently did not give him a roster to push him over the top. Mm-hmm. And at some point he was like, I can't, I can't be a part of this anymore. And he left. And it's like, is that really going to be any different than what theoretically, I mean, that was the, tr- that was, that was, I think what prompted the DeMarcus Cousins trade in the first place mm-hmm. was, you know, if we keep doing this, then Davis right. is going to leave. Yeah. I mean, that, that in some ways is similar to the the Piston situation with Blake, you know, yeah. where it's like, look, we have a chance to add this guy who in, o- in other circumstances we would never be able to add. And you know, I think they probably paid less on the dollar than Detroit did to yeah. get him. Um, and it just, it just sucks because they were, they had just won their fifth game in a row, I believe, which is their first five game winning streak. You know, that was a national TV game. And yeah. I'm, I'm watching it and they brought that up like so many times, like finally they've won their fifth straight. They're finally on a run. And yeah for that to happen the way it happened you know he's chasing a loose ball you know a guy who has a reputation for not exactly always chasing loose balls um you know snaps his achilles doing that late in the game that they had already won it was yeah i don't know that's devastating and it's just another one i mean in a year of yeah ridiculous injuries your kind of sucks for that i mean we can touch on robertson quick i don't you know fantasy wise it doesn't really mean anything he's averaging five points and five rebounds a game but that's 30 minutes a game and you're you know you're 1a defender with paul george yeah and you know you're going from that to a rookie who basically is coming out of high school after barely playing in australia last year yeah and to me that you know i feel like they do they they should probably explore you know trying to buy in the in the trade deadline obviously at that point because like i like i've Terrence Ferguson, he's fine. He has some crazy dunks. He hits threes. He should be in the dunk sometimes. contest. I'll say that he should be in the dunk contest. Um, but after that, I mean, you're you're just talking about like I, you just kind of throw whoever's hot out on the floor, like like Abrinas if he's making his shots. Like <laughs> yeah, one of those guys will be hot. One yeah. of the <laughs> you, if, if, is Kyle Singler still on the roster? Uh, I think so. Uh, he's on somebody's roster. I, you know, I it's very unprofessional of me not to know this, but I do not know where Kyle Singler is. He he's with the Thunder okay okay um but yeah i mean you know like i mentioned earlier guys like guy like wesley johnson just kind of like maybe just try to get someone in there even if you have to Mm -hmm. you know a guy like that like what is two second round pick like i I just don't know yeah i think that's the way i mean maybe they look at buyouts yeah i don't don't think they're going to try to swing any kind of like real no real quote-unquote real deal i mean they could they could really use like a tyreek evans type they could although that would be crazy yeah that would be nice for the rest of this year it's like when you get to the playoffs I, I think he'd become a little less valuable because russ is playing 40 minutes for you anyway and their team is still kind of in flux next season like we don't even know mm-hmm. if we, we just don't even know if paul george is gonna right. be back you don't want to make some you know some trade that robs you of your assets in case paul george does leave um who knows how you know if paul george does leave how the relationship between carmelo and russell westbrook would be the ultimate thing is like if somehow Westbrook and PG like leave together, even though I know Westbrook signed the extension, like Melo is just there by himself <laughs> in Oklahoma year. City. Like that—that's where his career has been leading up to this for 13 years, doing his best to get triggered <laughs> back to New York. Oh man, yeah. I mean, the Thunder have been have been fun to watch. Did you catch any of that game on Sunday against Philly? That was 
that was a really good one. Um, I caught like all the the highlights yeah. of you know the all the stuff on social media. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that that's basically sums it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, a couple quick things before we head out. All star replacements. So we know John Wall is now out for six to eight weeks. Yeah. Which people don't realize like the NBA All Star break is not for a couple weeks, but or I guess a week and a half at this point. But it's not the halfway point by any means. Like six to eight weeks in the final half of the season is yeah. basically like 70 to 80 percent of that time and someone tweeted out the teams that they play yeah they and have it's, a horrible schedule it's like the next 13 games like 10 of them are playoff locks essentially yeah, i think 16 out of their next 20 are current or teams that would be playoff teams if the playoffs started today worst possible time thomas Sadaransky is really gonna have right. to step his game up oh, you're telling me yeah. I, th- I think if if you're wall like it sounds like this has been an issue for a while he probably knew he might need a procedure at least, I guess you give yourself the extra week with the All Star break. Yeah. I'm not. I don't think that was a coincidence. Um, but still, I mean, you're looking at minimum in that case, like five weeks of actual game time that you're missing. And they don't really have a replacement. You know, Sadoransky. Someone asked me on Twitter today about Tim Frazier. It's like Wall was out earlier this year. Tim Frazier averaged five points a game. Sadoransky is are better than Frazier. Yeah. at least fantasy wise. He's going to start. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Frazier starts a game during the span unless Sadoransky gets hurt. They're a team that would like that would love to bring in somebody, but I don't know who that is. They traded their first rounder last year for Bogdanovich, and that didn't really move the needle. I don't know if they can land anybody. I mean, you're not replacing John Wall. That's the thing. Like, it doesn't matter no. who you bring in. You're not going to replicate that. Can maybe try to swing Darren Collison. I, yeah. I, I mean, that's the type of guy it would have to be. Yeah. Maybe they start poking around George Hill. That's true. Yeah, and then because yeah, they you theoretically they'd probably want some like combo guard. Right, if the Kings can, can swing a George Hill bidding war between the Cavs <laughs> and the Wizards. Um, yeah, there's just not a lot of guys out there who fit that kind of a situation that you could get away with giving up virtually nothing for. I mean, what are the Wizards even? Gonna get, what do they even have to give up? Like, can they trade their first rounder again? Um, Maybe I, they could trade a future first, if not. Yeah, that's about it. Because unless you're comfortable giving up <clears throat> Ubre or Porter or Marquise Morris, or Gortad. Yeah. I mean, Gortad wants to get to orlando i don't know maybe <laughs> see if they can get alfred dj augustine we'll yeah. trade uh gortat for dj augustine sure i'm only going to say this once but there is a a former all nba point guard who has not played a single second of basketball this year darren williams oh darren williams i i, I have no information as to what he's even doing <laughs> i don't know if he's touched a basketball but he's just hanging out i would make a call if i were them make the call <laughs> um okay Bucks real quickly. Bucks are four zero since they fired Jason Kidd. They are another win last night. Um, didn't, the Sixers didn't have Embiid, so maybe throw an asterisk there if you want. But still, a pretty convincing win. I think the Sixers missed their first seventeen threes in that game. They finished like <laughs> two of twenty six from three. That was a serious stat. Um, you just have to, yeah, you know, Joe Prunty. Um, you know, forcing other teams to miss threes. Only I mean, that's undefeated just coach in league history. Only <laughs> exactly. Bucks are three games out of the third seed in the loss column. Yep. This is yep. where we are. Yeah, one well, you you would think uh, that they'll probably have a chance here to separate themselves from Washington. At least they are currently tied. Both teams are twenty seven and twenty two, and with Washington being without his best player for six weeks, and the Bucks getting Jabari Parker back on Friday, uh, hard to see that you know those teams not going in different directions. Um, There's still you know I mean the Pacers are right there. They you know they've played more games, but they have the same you know they're equally eight games back of the one seed boston like 
I don't know. I don't think Milwaukee's going to go on a crazy surge when they get Jabari back. I think I think his impact's going to be pretty minimal at least the first few weeks. Uh, but they're in they're in a pretty good spot here to land somewhere between like three and six in the East. Yeah, yeah, and they could. I mean, they've they've got they've had the liberty of playing four pretty bad teams uh, since the since the firing of Jason Kidd, and I think the the real test will be on Thursday when they play Minnesota. Yeah, um, that'll be really tough. Um, and then it's a back to back the day after they play New York, who's New York's not a pushover. Um, and you know, I don't know if the Bucks have anybody to guard. I guess Giannis will guard Chris Stapps, but then Chris Stapps guard Giannis, and then it's mm-hmm. you know, Giannis has trouble there. But yeah, I mean, if, if the Bucks can if, if they can sneak into the four seed and and hold it, they'd probably end up playing Miami in the playoffs, and I think that's mm-hmm. that's beatable. And then you get a second round. Yeah, well, I think with the way that the Wizards are are probably going to trend here, like. Milwaukee to me is probably the team that I feel the fourth best about in the East. Like yeah. Boston and Toronto, I, I think are are one two in some order. Cleveland, even with all that's gone on there, like I would still pick the Cavs to beat the Bucks in a series. Yeah. I would pick I would pick Boston or Toronto to beat the Cavs or to beat the Bucks. Um, but it like you know if it's four five Miami Milwaukee in round one, that's a toss up to me. And pretty much every team below that, you would think you know Milwaukee as the higher seed. You know, seven game series against a depleted Washington team. That Indiana. Becomes, you know, Indiana, yeah. I think they beat Philly. You never know just because of the talent level. Yeah. And then after that, you know, things really drop off. So, like, they're they're in a pretty good spot right now if, if they can just maintain to at least, like, go into a first round series feeling pretty good about their chances and not not it being this crazy underdog story that it's the last, like, 10 times that the Bucks, or maybe, maybe not even that many, last, like, five times the Bucks have been in the playoffs. You know, it's been this underdog situation, even last year to some degree. And I think they're kind of ready to take that that next step. Yeah, that's for sure. And I'm lo- looking at the standings now. I'm realizing how much I, I theoretically I would be excited for this uh, Pistons, like a Pistons uh, Celtics first round matchup, like Blake mm-hmm. against the the Celtics in the first round. I right. think that would be crazy. Well, that's the other thing we did this with the West. Like you can kind of we're getting to the point now. Teams have played 50 games. You can draw. You can start to draw a line between teams that want to make the playoffs and teams that don't and Detroit's sitting at nine right now you have the Knicks at 10 and then after that it gets a little dicey Charlotte's at 11 Kemba Walker's still available I yeah who even knows if they trade Kemba and even even if they don't they might be out of it and then every team below them is already out of it Brooklyn Chicago Atlanta Orlando none of those teams want to win none of those teams could win if they wanted to no <laughs> um so it, I mean in, in some ways it, within a week or two it could be a, a nine or ten team race yeah in the east and it's going to be a, a nine or ten team race in the West as well. So that's going to create some interesting things. And yeah, I mean, is is Detroit Boston the most fun matchup? I mean, Detroit Cleveland would be fun. That was a four game series last year, Det- but yeah, that would be fun. Detroit I, gave them a nice run for a, for a sweep. I would like Philly Boston. I think that would be a great matchup too. Um, I think I think Philly Boston to me would be the most fun yes. one eight possible. Oh yeah um cleveland philly i think philly is just interesting as yeah an no matter seed. who philly plays they could throw a wrench I want in them in. they could throw a wrench because they're better than right. their record like w- considering they always they win when Embiid plays yes. at a pretty high level well and they've had a lot of other injuries too i mean jj reddick hasn't played in two weeks yeah timothy lawu cabarro i guess he added that this year not that i dislike him but he, i mean he just isn't all that good compared to reddick bayless right. you know they haven't gotten anything out of bayless recently obviously you haven't gotten anything out of your number one pick like the all things considered for philly to be where they're at one game above 500 you know obviously it's they're not going to finish with whatever their their crazy vegas over under was <laughs> but i think it's still been a pretty successful year 
Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say it's – I mean, they might make the playoffs, and that's – you know, Right, and they should, I think. You know, what's if Detroit? So Detroit's at nine right now. If 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 you think they're going to get in, which of these teams—Washington, Indiana, or Philly—are they replacing? I that's actually really tough. Yeah. I could see Indiana slipping out, but they just continue to play really well. Like it's it's been long enough to where I you know they're a good team, mm-hmm. but I don't want to say Washington's going to slip out of the playoffs. I also can't say Philly's going to slip out of the playoffs because they're going to start playing a beat on back-to-backs. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, I don't know. I think I think it would have to be Indiana. Just I'm not willing to give them the benefit of the doubt yet, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, there's just not much reason to think they won't. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's just the, the answer is that Detroit doesn't get in. I think, oh, it's very possible. I don't think that, I mean, yeah, it's, it's very possible Detroit misses the playoffs. Um just because from a I mean they they kind of gutted their roster to get Griffin this year and you know maybe when they get Reggie Jackson back that will help them but you know they are they're all they are gonna end up starting mm. Luke Kennard and Reggie Bullock at the two and three I would think yeah and that's not it's not yeah ideal. well and then the other thing too is your bench is now Anthony Tolliver Eric Moreland Dwight Bikes yep Langston Galloway Langston Galloway uh yeah i mean it's not ideal no not ideal dwight bikes was in the g league i think slash overseas last year not anymore now he's on the blake griffin pistons no that's very true okay last thing bucks debuted the what's the official color on these cream 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 uniforms i keep saying tan or khaki and that's definitely not what they are (laughs) the cream uniforms last night um first impressions I love them. I've been the, the when the Bucks initially changed their colors to cream. One of the first things I said was like, I would like to see a cream alternate jersey because like no one had ever done it mm-hmm. really in the NBA. Um, I thought the style that they when I thought of it in my head, I thought it would have been cool if they would have busted out some like cursive, like Milwaukee. Some people hate the cursive. I love those retro Chicago cursive jerseys, so I thought that would have been fun. But I like what they did putting the the multicolored stripes on the front mm-hmm. with the buck, kind of similar to what they did with the black jerseys um yeah i don't know if they can wear them when the other team wears white i would hope not that because they're pretty light they're pretty light they're definitely not tan. like they're like you you mentioned you were gonna say tan you kind of pulled back they're not exactly tan they're lighter than that mm-hmm. um yeah i love them i like them a lot i i don't love and like you said the same thing with the black i would prefer if they just said bucks or milwaukee on them instead of the big logo i think that looks kind of looks kind of 2k create a teamy yeah you know, like it, the black uniforms would be arguably the best in the league if they just had the same bucks font that the white ones do or the right. green ones even um but it, i mean could be worse and I, my other complaint is that they they didn't get the matching accessories that's big this year nike has made an effort everybody gets the tights and like the undershirts if you wear one and the sleeves and all that that match perfectly you know in the past it was either you're wearing white tights or black tights and all the Bucks last night were wearing white with the t- with the cream alternates, and I think had they had the cream accessories, they would have looked even better. I think green accessories would look good with sure. that too. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think they made the Bucks smaller on the cream jersey compared to the black one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I might just be. Well, obviously, you have to account for because the, the stripes take up a pretty decent amount of space. They do. The buck kind of eats into the top of the stripes, though. I don't know, it but does. yeah, a lot of good jerseys recently. Yeah, it's I definitely mean, smaller. You're right. Um, Miami de- debuted the Miami Vice ones, which were really nice. We kind of talked about how we wish they were 
bolder to some extent. Well, I, I almost feel a little misled, and I should have seen this coming. Like they promoted these for like a month via yeah. social media, and every every photo you saw of them was like very much enhanced, and you know there was like neon lighting, and yeah, the jerseys looked like they glowed. Uh, and they, I mean, they looked awesome. They're still the best of all these alternates, I think, but they didn't look quite as, they didn't really pop quite as much, I guess, as they looked in the photos. What I would like to see is an alternate version of those that's either black or pink or like teal, you know, one of those, like the white version is great, but I think they should have a different version. You know, I think like a, basically that exact same template, but everything that's white is black would look awesome. I was just about to say that. Yeah. yeah I think that, that, that feels more Miami to me, you know, it does. Because then the Miami Vice thing is kind of like a nighttime thing right, anyway. Right, exactly. That's the whole, then, their whole social media push around it is like the nightlife and then the jerseys are white. I think maybe they could have gotten away with the white had they done an alternate court. Yes, that too is crazy. How do you not do an alternate court for that? That's an e- <laughs> That's so easy. I don't know. If the Jazz can afford it, if the Bucks can afford that, it. If- the, actually, this Jazz thing is crazy. I actually, the the jersey, I saw, like I've seen the jerseys, I've seen the court. Are they are they wearing those tonight? I think they're wearing those tonight. Okay. I really like it. Like I, I have not obviously I've not like I have to, you have to you know hold judgment until you see them on the court in person like actually playing basketball. But they're I don't know I, I assume I don't know if people who listen to this have seen them. They're crazy. They kind of I, I would think so. They're like a gradient. They go from mm-hmm. like orange to dark to like a deep red. What I don't like is they didn't like the gradient is cool, but there are very defined lines with the gradient. They don't fade into each other. It's right. just kind of like individual stripes. And I, like on the whole, if you like looked at it from afar, it would look like they're fading. Yeah. Be- um. So I'm a little concerned about that, but the court looks great. Yeah, I'm really I'm really excited to see those. Yeah, I feel like if they wouldn't have made the lines so defined, it would look more like a sunrise. But mm-hmm. now it just kind of looks like just just weird right. colored stripes. I well, don't know if that was a design element, some like BS about like yeah. you know rocks in right well there Colorado. is some like an embossed rock thing that yeah like, that arch rock thing that's somewhere in utah i, I don't know what it's called i think it's called arch rock <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, th- I think we're gonna rock. see more of this though the alternate courts i, mean, I the love bucks, the alternate courts right yeah the bucks were kind of the first team to really explore this and you know in, in past years we've seen you know you get when you play in the finals you know they'll, they'll throw that big like trophy decal yeah. on there and there's been kind of smaller things like that but I mean, the Bucks. I don't know if you heard this a few years ago, like when when they were in the works with this whole rebrand, they wanted to have a court that was primarily black, like the wood would be stained black. Um, oh. Which actually, if, if you if you want to get a visual as to what this would look like, the University of Central Florida actually has a black court, and it looks pretty cool. Uh, and the league told them that was that was too bold. I thought Atlanta tried to do the same thing, actually. Yeah, I mean, their court now kind of has that weird pattern that's on their jerseys right um, part of it i think it does but yeah i was i was pretty sure atlanta wanted to do like a black uh, to make it look like kind of like black top like the ucf right. thing you're talking yeah, about yeah and it, i think it looks sweet i think i mean you can understand i guess why the league maybe wouldn't want that because it is pretty radical difference yeah you know, have the entire court be a different color i think it looks good it's got like yeah it's kind of kind of like a black top feel like it feels right. and i think that's the point yeah yeah i also i feel like i've read i don't know if I think I read the same article maybe that you were referring to and they said that someone said that they really liked that there's that uh, logo. The Bucks have the alternate with Wisconsin. Yes. That says Bucks. I think someone said that they really, really wanted to put that in the middle of the court instead of the buck with the. Yeah. And I don't even I don't even like the logo in the center of the court with the cream with the like the cream background on it. I mm-hmm. thought they should have just did the yep. green buck without the. I agree. Is there any but, reason they wouldn't be able to use the state logo for that? 
I don't think so. That's the best one. I think that's one. It looks a little like someone designed it in like the paint app. Yeah, that's the problem. But I think I think that one's going to age really well. Like that's the logo that I think people will want on like vintage clothing in 30 years. Yeah, you know, they I think also, that's going to look really cool. They also have like a cert that circle logo with like the ball that I feel like it, that's yeah, you just put yeah. that in the middle of the court cuz it's a circle and so is the jump the ball. The one that circle. has like the M. Yeah. That one looks like a like a Wu-Tang like that, I it they introduced like Yu-Gi-Oh or something. They I don't introduced wanna, that one and then like have never one. brought it back. I have a it's hat a with that on it cuz I yeah. thought they were going to actually bust that out. They are basically phasing that out. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I, from what I understand, Nike's going to be releasing at least two new jerseys next year for every team. Like, all these alternates are like a one-year thing, which I just – at some point, you're going to run out of designs, right? Like, these are all, for the most part, like 20 out of 30 of these are pretty radical designs. I, that's the thing, though. Some of them are so crazy. I just imagine, like, you, they, yeah. can, they can continue just doing insane stuff. They mm-hmm. have enough money. They throw enough money into their design team to, I think, come up with stuff until their contract runs right. out with the league. Okay, well, any other uniform-related thoughts, or can we wrap this up? I think we can wrap this up. All right. um, Ben will be back tomorrow. I'll be back on Thursday with James, and then DJ will be on the mic on Friday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.